What's up, Dolphin fans? Welcome to the Same Old Dolphin Show. I'm Josh Katzker. With me, as always, is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Woohoo! Hello to the people! Unbelievable. What a win. It's incredible. I thought it was never going to happen again. But lo and behold, the Miami Hurricanes defeated the Florida State Seminoles 17-16 to in Doe Campbell Stadium. C-A-N-E-S Canes. We got some Canes over here. Uh, the Dolphins also won, Aaron. Yeah. Uh, their game was not as exciting. No. No, it was not even... Not even close, if I'm being honest. It was not even anywhere near the excitement level, particularly of the fourth quarter of that Hurricanes-Seminoles game. Uh, yeah, the Hurricanes broke a seven-year streak of losing to the Florida State Seminoles this weekend. That's probably the most exciting thing that happened if you're a Miami football fan. Although, I mean, at the end of the day, hey, the Dolphins beat the Tennessee Titans... That's a win. A win is a win is a win is a win in the National Football League. And particularly a win against a team like the Tennessee Titans, who the Dolphins may find themselves fighting with for one of those two wildcard spots at the end of the season. So, hey, you got you to gotta take it, right? You have to take the win. Oh, of course. And we are now tied in the loss column for first place in the AFC East. That's right. With... Every other team in the division. Hey, we're we're tied in the loss column with the New England Patriots. Who would have thought at the Who would have thought before the season started that the AFC East, at, after five weeks of the season, the AFC East would feature every team with the same number of losses. Yeah, I I don't think anybody, but I mean, this is the parody of the NFL and in particular the AFC where 12 of the 16 teams now have at least two losses, have either two or three losses, and you've got, I guess, Oakland is playing right now. I guess they've already got two losses, right? Yeah, so they're they're still going to have... Uh, the only teams that will not have at least two losses after this week... Uh, actually it's, it's not 12 of the 16 teams. It's 14 of the 16 teams, 12 of the 16 have two or three losses. And then there's Cleveland and, and, and LA teams in the FC not have at least two losses at the end of this week, the Kansas city chiefs and the Denver Broncos and the Denver Broncos got the bye week this week. And the chief. Yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty incredible, uh, how gummed up things are in the AFC are I mean I, I suppose people would have expected that you always expect the teams in the AFC East to be fighting it out. It's always pretty clogged up when it comes to those couple of wild card spots. But I mean I don't think you I don't think anybody would have predicted that the Jacksonville Jaguars would be sitting on top of the AFC South. Maybe a couple people taking flyers with some crazy hot takes might have had the Jaguars there. Um, but I don't know that a whole lot of people would have had the Steelers sitting at three and two this early. Um, and the Steelers have not looked particularly convincing. Ben uh, Roethlisberger looked bad today. Uh, and, you know, like I said, listen, look at the AFC East. You got three teams sitting at three and two. 
and the Dolphins sitting at two and two. I mean, it's it's pretty crazy times here early in the season, and I think at the end of the day, that's why, despite the fact that. I would say that this Miami Dolphins victory today was less than convincing. You have to be happy with it because listen, we've seen this in the national football league. You've seen a team could be terrible and terrible and terrible and terrible. And suddenly they turn it around and they're playing good football and they're still, you know, I, I don't know. wouldn't say that I'm confident that that's going to happen with the Miami Dolphins, but it's certainly a possibility. And the fact of the matter is, if you're going to go for a run and you're going to start winning a bunch of games, you'd, you'd like to start that run at a place where you're at two and two, as opposed to starting it in a place where you're 0 and five, like the Cleveland Browns. Well, obviously, um, but yeah, it's look, like you said, a win is a win is a win. It doesn't matter how you get it. Uh, look, last year the team was 10 and 6 uh, and made the playoffs and at least at least 3 of those games you you could have said, well, this was a game that the Dolphins didn't deserve to win and then they found a way to win. You have to say at this point that 10 and 6 is going to get you into the playoffs in the AFC. You, you'd feel you'd feel pretty good about that. Yeah. Um, now whether or not the Dolphins are going to get to 10 and 6, like, who knows? I could easily see this Dolphins team not losing again this season. Facetious? Incredibly facetious. (laughs) So, I mean, because to me, this team still looks like they're closer to 6 and 10 than they are to 10 and 6, but what we've learned in the NFL over the past few few years really more than a few years it's it's been a while the the parody ever really ever since the the free agency era has begun in the National Football League is there's been a ton of parody in this league and the difference between being a 6 and 10 team and a 10 and 6 team is honestly it's it's inches it's it's a couple of bounces of the ball uh it's a couple of tip balls it's a it's a catch that uh, is made as opposed to being dropped. It's a call that goes your way. It's a field goal that sails to the left of the upright or a few inches to the right and goes straight through. That's the difference between being a playoff team and not a playoff team in this league. And you found that out last year with this Dolphins team because that Dolphins team last year was not a special team. They were really like an 8-8 eight and eight team that... that happen to get lucky and end up with 10 wins. And here we are through four weeks of the season. And the Dolphins have honestly looked like one of the worst teams in football. And they're two and two. And they're right there with not just everybody in their division, but just about everybody in football is going to be either two and two or three and two or two and three at the end of this week. And so it's all there in front of them. Um, so you, you would hope that they can build off of this win as uninspiring. And that's the thing, well. that's the thing right? See, and that's nailing it on the head is that this team, there's only one way for this team to go. Really? I mean, barring, barring the defense completely imploding, this team can only get better. I don't know about that. I mean, that. because it seems really, it would seem like really difficult for this offense to get much worse than it's been. 
I agree with that, but the defense can get worse. Yes, certainly. The def- because the defense right now is playing at an elite level. Right. I mean- and you should take into consideration. So in this game, which I get at some point we're going to actually talk about this game. But look, they they lucked into the fact that Marcus Mariota was not healthy and didn't play in this game. And yes, that's not if, to say Mariota, that the defense... If- that's not to say that the defense didn't play a great game, but they were playing a Titans team that was severely handicapped because they could not pass the ball. Yeah, I agree. I, I think if you if Marcus Mariota starts this game, let's say a healthy Marcus Mariota, because even if Marcus Mariota with the bad hamstring had started this game, I don't know how well he would have played. But if if a healthy Marcus Mariota was at the helm for the Tennessee Titans. I don't know that this game is even close. I don't know that the game isn't close because like I said, I think the defense played a hell of a game, but I don't think that we're playing from ahead the majority of the game, which was the case. And that was something that I thought was imperative for this game was getting ahead of this Titans team and not allowing them to just be able to run downhill. But, I mean, again, look, the Dolphins' run defense is for real at this point. Their pass defense had a great game today because of the opponent and because of the limitations of Matt Castle and because they got a little bit lucky that, like, a 70-yard touchdown got called back on a really questionable offensive pass interference. But... The pass rush was great. The coverage was was pretty solid against, albeit not the greatest receiving core in the league. But the Dolphins' pass defense had a good game because of the opponent. This Dolphins' run defense has been the one constant bright spot on this team through the first four games of the season. And I think this defense seemed to really be bolstered by the inclusion of May, uh, Ray Malaluga today. Uh, I thought he had a I thought he had a very good game was solid in the middle linebacker position and I thought you could tell that this the just the defense just seemed more confident. Uh, Kiko Alonso played out of his mind today. Uh, a great game. Rashad Jones had had a great game. The, the the defense as a whole as a unit looked really good today. Um, Lawrence Timmons. Lawrence Timmons, another one. I mean, it was. How I mean, about the how about the rookies? Grizzly, yes, had a place. Charles, Charles Harris, Charles Harris, that big sack late in the game. Oh, tremendous! And and twice getting getting to the quarterback. Look, you're talking about a guy who right now is being a situational pass rusher who's only playing, uh, maybe you know, twenty to twenty five snaps a game. And he's making an impact when he gets out on the field. And so, uh, look, that as he starts to make an impact and you're seeing William Hayes making an impact, obviously, and Dominican Sue has been just fantastic in the middle of the line. You're always going to get your pressures from Cameron Wake, who had a great game today, four times getting to the quarterback. This defensive line, we said that they need to be special for this defense to be any good. 
and for this team to be any good, that the defensive line needed to be special. The defensive line was pretty downright special today. Yeah, I mean, they were as good as you you could want them to be. Uh, it was... It was a pretty, pretty positive. I mean, they continue to be the bright spot on this team. But we have to talk about what happened on the other side of the ball. Uh, because nothing. this, this no, offense nothing was... Nothing happened again. This offense continued to be atrocious in this game. Uh, and, and a lot of it, again, was the play calling. You know, Cutler certainly didn't look good in this game. This problem wasn't on him. A, there was some bad play calling, and B, the offensive line, like, for three quarters of this football game, just looked all kinds of out of sorts. They couldn't find any, couldn't get any holes for Ajayi. Uh, they couldn't really protect Jay Cutler. Cutler was constantly having people in his faces. That's why he's, that's why he's curling out and he's doing these Looks like he's just looking for a, a dump off pass to somebody because he's he's got no time to look downfield. That's primarily the reason that he hasn't been able to do that. So he's rolling out and he's got a, a defensive player charging at him. So he's throwing the ball away. And granted, I think maybe he could have made a little bit more effort to try to do something. But, you know, one of the things that we've long heard about Jay Cutler is that he he will often force a pass in somewhere and throw an interception. And in fact, he did do that. At one point in the second half of this game, uh, but you know this the offensive line did not do Jay Cutler any favors in this game. Yeah, look, the offensive line was bad again, um, but Jay Cutler wasn't good. And look, you're not paying, at least in my eyes, when they went out and they went and got Jay Cutler. To me, you're not paying $10 million for him to come in and be a game manager, which has never been Jay Cutler's MO as being this great game manager. You're bringing him in because of his arm talent and because he's a guy that can make throws that, frankly, Matt Moore cannot make. If all we needed was a game manager, Matt Moore has proven more as a game manager than Jay Cutler ever has as a game manager. And through three quarters of this game, and look, I agree with you, uh, a lot of this was the play calling, and even more of it was the offensive line. But look, when every single time you are in second and long, whether it's second and eight, second and nine, second and ten, second and twelve, second and fifteen, whatever, and it doesn't matter how you got there. It doesn't matter if it was uh, a run for no gain or two yards or a loss or whatever, or it was an incomplete pass or it was a sack. It doesn't matter how the Dolphins get to second and long. When every single time they are in second and long, it is either a run play or it is a wide receiver screen. The defense will know that. If I can tell you that a wide receiver screen is coming or a draw play is coming, then NFL defensive quarters coordinators can tell you that a wide receiver screen or an or a draw play is coming. And that has been the case now 
for four weeks. And the Dolphins' predictability when they get down, when they don't have a successful play on first down, has led to them being this horrendous third down team because on second and long, they're not getting any yards because the defense knows what's coming. And that puts you in third and long. And I don't care how good you are, unless you have an elite quarterback like Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or Drew Brees, you're not going to pick up third and long a very high percentage of the time. I mean, even those quarterbacks are not picking up third and long more than 25 or 30 percent of the time. And then if you don't have one of those guys, it goes down to about 10 percent. And that's where the Dolphins are. They're one of the worst third down teams in the league because they're consistently in third and long. And the problem, look, first down is always the big, the money down. Like if you want to be a successful offense, you need to be good on first down. But you also need to do something when the first down play doesn't work. And when you're in second and long and it can't be, look, there's nothing wrong in theory with running the ball on second and 10. And there's nothing wrong in a vacuum in theory with running a screen pass on second and 10. But when you do it every time, it's not going to work. And it hasn't worked. And when it continues to not work and you continue to call the same play, that's insanity. Because you're doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results, and you're not getting them. And that's where this team is at. And when they finally, look, they they did end up scoring in the in the the fourth quarter of this game. Uh, they ended up with a touchdown drive to put them ahead. I mean, because their other uh, their other touchdown was a defensive touchdown. Uh, so, I mean, they, they finally got an offensive touchdown. It took them into the fourth quarter to do it. And it was mostly because they moved the ball well on first down. Uh, but I also saw on on second and long, they they took a couple more shots. And it doesn't have to be this 30 yard shot down the field, you know, there's a huge difference in a wide receiver screen that's a pass at the line of scrimmage and a seven-yard slant or a seven-yard post or button or in or out. It's it's a different route that requires a different type of defense uh, from your opponent. And it forces the defense to, to stay honest a little bit and not cheat up at the line. And if they think, Okay, there's a chance that they're going to throw the ball in yards field. Then those linebackers aren't going to creep up. Those corners aren't going to play as much press coverage. Those safeties aren't going to creep up. And then you can actually start to hit some big plays and you can get some rhythm because you got some space to work with. This was not a great example of the Dolphins really opening up the playbook, but they did enough to come away with a victory. The officiating helped them out a great deal. The opponent helped them out a great deal. But I guess the bottom line is they got it done. That's, that is, in fact, the bottom line. They found they figured out a way to get the win. Uh, Cody Parkey doing his part to help with the ugly football, missing an extra point. And when he missed that extra point, you just sort of felt like, okay, well, I guess the Titans are going to go down the field and get that late touchdown and hit their extra point and win the game that way. 
But it wasn't quite as same old Dolphins as that. So the Dolphins managed to uh, hold on and get the win. Ten in a row now. Ten games in a row that the Dolphins have won when the game is decided by a touchdown or less. Which is, it's pretty incredible. And it's one of those things that, look, you're playing with fire. If you keep playing these close games, there's no way that that is going to continue for a prolonged amount of time. Uh, they're, they're due to lose more than a couple of these. But look, the, the one thing that they've proven over the last year plus is that in close games, they are comfortable and they can at least find ways to win, which is something that this team was not very good at for a very long time. Uh, they, they, you know, the, one of the reasons that we call them the same old dolphins is because they'd find ways to lose these games. And when Cody Parkey did miss that extra point, you felt like, yep, that's something that's going to cost them here. But look to their credit when this team has had close games for the last season plus now, they've figured way out of time at some point. You may have to uh, to give them credit and say that this is a skill that that this team has, that this personnel has, that this coaching staff has. I tend to think it's it's more luck than skill, but part of it is it's just look. It's it comes down to game management. It comes down to situational football, and many games in this league come down to the final possession and. Either make a play or you don't make a play, and more often than not, whether it's the def- whether it's leaning on the defense or it's been the offense or it's been the special teams, over the last year, the Dolphins in these close games have made more plays than their opponents, and you can't really be negative about that. Yeah, and the other thing is, I want to and and I want to talk about one other thing here, but I mean, they've they've made the plays and. The defense has stood up. Uh, they, they, listen, they're ninth in the league as of right now in opponents' points per game. They've given up an averaging 19 points for, per game. They gave up 20 to the Jets, gave up 20 to the Saints, gave up uh, 17 to the Chargers, and today only 10 against the Titans. So the defense is doing their job. I, I've, I heard some people this week talking rather pointedly about the Dolphins' defense and, and sort of uh, ripping on them a little bit. And it's like, look, look, defenses are not always going to look good, especially when they're on the field the whole time. The Dolphins' defense, I think, un- considering the circumstances, has performed very well. Um, and now they've got a big game coming up next week where their defense is really going to be tested when they take on the Atlanta Falcons, who had the week off. They're coming off of the loss to Buffalo last week. Uh it's going to be a real test for this Dolphins defense to see how they can keep the Atlanta offense in check, especially with a game at Atlanta. But brain, we, we can't get past this Tennessee game without talking about the fact that that, that Dolphins or Hard Rock Stadium, as it's called now, was there. It sounded like it was filled with rather loud chants of we want more. We want more. And, and they the, got more. Yeah. Almost More a, Jay Cutler. <laughs> almost a year to the date, 
they were doing that same chant when Ryan Tannehill was leading a feudal Dolphins offensive effort against the same Tennessee Titans last season. Um, and so they were chanting for it again today. I think it's just like Matt Moore is this figurehead of everything is so bad that the only way it could possibly be better is to bring in Matt Moore. And I just don't know that had the Dolphins actually brought in Matt Moore that things were going to get noticeably better. And look, when the offensive line got their act together, Cutler looked decent. I'll say decent in that fourth quarter. Um, you know, that last, the, the, the touchdown drive, it looked like, I mean, that was, that resembled a competent offense. So I think there are a lot of things that have been going badly for this Dolphins offense, and there have been a lot of problems with it. And look, some of it has been that Cutler hasn't looked great. But I think if you're comparatively speaking, looking at Jay Cutler and looking at Matt Moore, I really think that the guy that you want under center leading this offense is Jay Cutler. Uh, I don't know. I mean... And Adam Gase certainly feels that way. Adam well, Gase certainly <laughs> feels his guy is Jay Cutler. And he made it, he said it in no uncertain terms with the crowd chanting for we want more, we want more. Gase still said it. Listen, Cutler's my guy. He's staying in. There's zero chance that he's coming out of this game unless he's injured. And that's his guy. And, and I think these fans need to understand and appreciate that. Uh, you know, Gase has a lot of faith in Jay Cutler. And I think that's important as we move forward here. Yeah, I mean, I guess, look, they paid him $10 million. They brought him in to be the starting quarterback. If Gase benches him then it's showing him that he does not have confidence in him. And if he doesn't have confidence in him, then maybe Jay Cutler loses confidence in himself, loses the confidence of the offense, and looks even worse, I, I suppose. But, like, Jay Cutler was bad. And part of it was when the play broke down or he got under pressure. There was not a lot of composure. It was a lot of throwing off of his back foot. It was making bad decisions. It was, you know, checking down just, and, and, it, and it's more than that. Look, the receivers didn't help him out a ton today either. And you have to also consider, look, Devonte Parker, who has been a big part of this offense through their first three games, uh, gets hurt in the first quarter of the game and never comes back. We don't know how much of the game plan uh, was designed to go to Devonte Parker, and if that's and if it was a large portion of the game, that throws things into because now uh, primary option is is now gone, and you have to kind of shuffle things around, whether Kenny Stills gets put into that role or nobody gets thrown into that role. You know, I, these are all things that have to be taken into consideration. But the fact is, is that Jay Cutler really didn't play well. And it's not even that Jay Cutler didn't play well, but you've heard really a, a couple of, uh, of people on Twitter, a couple of fans, a couple of media members talk about 
the lack of chemistry, the lack of familiarity of these receivers and Jay Cutler of this offense in general and Jay Cutler. And there was a point in the third quarter. I don't know if it was the second quarter or the third quarter. I think it was late in the second quarter uh, where Jay Cutler threw a third down pass to Jarvis Landry. And the ball got knocked away, but it really didn't look like Landry fought for it. It kind of looked like Landry just kind of, instead of attacking the ball on a, you know, on a contested catch, just kind of just waited and let the ball get knocked away. And then he went and he started pouting on the sidelines. And it looked like Jarvis Landry had lost his confidence in Jay Cutler. And I wondered, look, if these players, look, we know Adam Gase has confidence in Jay Cutler, but if the players, if the rest of the offense does not have the confidence in Jay Cutler, but they do have the confidence in Matt Moore, isn't that worth noting? Isn't that worth something uh, as far as who deserves to be the quarterback? Because at the end of the day, the quarterback is the leader of the, of the offense. And quarterback is inspiring confidence in the, the other 10 guys or, you know, 11, 12, 13 guys when you talk about rotations uh, that are playing consistently on that offensive side of the ball. Then does there need to be a change if the backup does inspire that confidence? But look, at the end of the day, they they got that touchdown drive and they got the win. So I I as much as I would have doubted uh, a quarterback change coming into this game following the loss last week, you're going to doubt it even more after they win and they win on the strength of a of a Jay Cutler touchdown pass. So it's an argument that uh, is just going to have to be put aside for for another week, and we're going to have to see how this thing plays out. If Jay Cutler comes out next week and is awful again, and because they're playing a better team in Atlanta, they they end up getting blown out. Then look, the 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 calls for we want more are not going to stop. That really that really makes that dynamic really interesting, and that like that's the thing, right? This defense has played so well. The Dolphins have been in both of these games that they lost. They were in those games until the very last, you know, until relatively late in the game, right? They were in that game against the Jets for a very for a long time be- until they ended up with that yeah, big play wow. for the touchdown. They were in that game. <laughs> what in the second quarter? <laughs> no, 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 no. In the like, look, it was a two score game. Right, and then the Jets scored a touchdown at the beginning of the second half, but you still felt like the Dolphins were in it because they were playing the Jets, and the Dolphins had a couple of drives into Jets territory. They're in these games. So, look, it does the dynamic change, and you you were sort of alluding to this, does the dynamic change if the Atlanta Falcons put up 35 points in the first half against the Dolphins, and the Dolphins have, you know have only managed, you know, 45 yards from scrimmage. It, it shouldn't take the, the, the way the defense plays should not come into the equation in my, in my mind. Well, then I think it, that's the, then I think you have your answer. Then I think Jay Cutler's remains the guy. Be, now it's one thing. I think 
if the defense, if the offensive line looks like it looked for most of this game, and if the play calling looked like it looked for most of this game today, uh, you know, that's one thing. It's another thing if Cutler's got tons of time and he's throwing bad passes. You know, or if if the Dolphins are trying to come out of their shell and it's just Cutler's doing a terrible job and everything else seems to be working correctly. You know, if it looks like it is just down to Jay Cutler being bad, I think that's a different situation. But so much of this has been so much, so much of the offense has been so bad that you can't just put the blame squarely on Cutler's shoulders. And I think as long as it looks like that, Gase is not going to go away from him. But here's what I don't understand. The argument is that Jay Cutler is the guy. Jay Cutler is better than Matt Moore. Jay Cutler gives the Dolphins the best chance of winning. But when Jay Cutler's in there, it's like the the whole idea of how to win with Jay Cutler is to basically have him not be Jay Cutler. It's to have him play like Matt Moore. And it's like, well, then why don't you just play Matt Moore? Because you spent a lot of money. Why did you? You spent a lot of money on Jay Cutler at this point. I mean, I think once you spend that money on Jay Cutler, it's like you got to, you got to live or die with him. And you've made that decision. Right. But I got to live or die with Jay Cutler, with with utilizing Cutler to the best of ability. And maybe this is how I. He feels he's using him to the best of his ability. Is let's let's rein him in. Let's not have him. You know, let's not cut him loose to where he's going to do what he wants to do. It'll limit his mistakes or whatever. But I think if if what they brought Jaylor in to be is the game manager, then I think that's not money well spent. Because I think they have a fine game manager on the bench in Matt Moore. And I think they could have, you know, brought in another backup quarterback to to back up Matt Moore to be a serviceable game manager. And you would have not had this uh, this transition, this learning curve that the Dolphins have been that this Dolphins offense has had for the first month of the season uh, because of this lack of familiarity or this lack of chemistry or whatever you want to call it. If they're just going to go out there and have play like Matt Moore, they would have been better served to just play Matt Moore. And I think that that's still kind of the case. Now, is it a case where maybe it's a steeper learner than they've let on and that two, three weeks down the road, we are, see this offense opened up a little bit more and we are going to see Jay Cutler throwing the ball a little more downfield and making the throws that, that they brought him into here to make uh, that remains to be seen but if we don't see that I think this is going to continue to be one of the worst offenses in the league and I don't think it matters if it's Jay Cutler or if it's Matt Moore playing quarterback uh, and if that that's the case, then you're going to continue to hear calls for Matt Moore because the problem is twofold when you talk about, oh, the fans have this affinity for Matt Moore. One of them is, look, the backup quarterback is always the most popular, <laughs> the popular guy uh, in the city 
when the starting quarterback is bad. Because unless you have that legit franchise quarterback, you're always going to have at least one section of the crowd that says, oh, I want to see the backup. And then you throw in uh, when you throw in the fact that Matt Moore has had success on this team as the backup quarterback for like four or five seasons now. Uh, and then in, and including last year when he's the quarterback that got the Dolphins to the playoffs by winning two of the last three games and playing well, getting them there. You get this. If Jay Cutler continues to play bad. If this offense continues to underperform, it's just going to happen every single week. And I don't think it should matter uh, what the defense does. Uh, if, if the Dolphins go and they give up 35 points and you say, oh, well, we got blown out and it's because of it's because of Jay Cutler. And then that, uh, you know, is the impetus for for Adam Gase making a move because he's got to make the spark. But if they're down 13 to nothing, he still rolls out with Jay Cutler anyway, just because they're still in the game. Well, that doesn't make any sense to me. Because you have a chance of turning around the offense down 13 to nothing as you do 35 to nothing. But when you're down 13 to nothing, you actually have a chance to win the game. And so it doesn't make much sense to say, oh, well, uh, since, since we've been in this game, in these games, there's no reason to, to change the quarterback. Because I would say, well, you've been in these games. Maybe if you got better quarterback play, you'd be winning these games. All right. Well, Brain, it's time for us to do our three stars of the game because the Dolphins won this week, so we can actually have three stars of the game. So, Brain, who is your third star of this game? Wait, I guess I'm going from three, two, and one. Yeah, give us your stars. Who do you got? Three, two, and uh, one. Um, I guess the third star that I would go with is Lawrence Timmons who I thought really for the second week in a row showed that he is just a huge upgrade at outside linebacker over Chase Allen, uh, not just making uh, big stops in the running game, but also in coverage, you know, being right there, not even necessarily making like, you know, great coverage plays, but, when somebody catches the ball near him, he's right there to make the stop. And so, like, a little four-yard pass doesn't go for a 10-yard gain. Lawrence Timmons is right there to make the stop. He's been a sure tackler, uh, and I thought today was he was instrumental in, in uh, keeping that short passing game of Tennessee's under control, and he was also instrumental in the passing game. Um, star number two, and you'll see a theme – uh, star number two of this one, I'm going uh, Kiko Alonso, another linebacker who was all over the field today, making tackles in the run game, uh, making ta- making quick stops on third down plays where guys would would get open, would make the catch, and right when they made the catch, they'd be like one yard short of the line to get the first down, and it was Kiko Alonso coming up with a big stop. Kiko Alonso in pass defense. Um, it was Kiko Alonso 
with the sack that forced the fumble, the the questionable call of whether it was a fumble or an incomplete pass, but arguably the biggest play of the game for the Dolphins, it was Kiko Alonso forcing the fumble and then my top star of the game, the guy who recovered that fumble and then had the wherewithal to pick it up and take it to the house, even though most thought that the play was ruled an incomplete pass, he picked it up and took it to the house anyway. Rashad Jones, who it is so good to have him back. He was all over the field today. Those are my three stars, all three on the defensive side of the ball. Just, I mean, really, I want to give a, I want to say the whole, the defense as a whole <laughs> deserves, there should be like 11 stars or 12 stars because every single guy on the defensive side of the ball to a man had a great game. Today. Yeah. Defense was really fantastic. Um, and I'm, I, I would have to say my top two stars are exactly the same as yours, Kigo Alonzo and Rashad Jones. I'm going to give Ray Malaluga the third star here because I thought it was it was fantastic to see him making a difference out on the field in this game. Um, just just working guys, and it was like it 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 made our linebacker core for the first time this season look like it wasn't just a pushover. And he was out there making a difference. And so he's my third star of the game. Although I also want to throw out an honorable mention. Can I I wonder if the if your honorable mention is the same honorable mention as me. How about we go three, two, one, and then we say our honorable mention All right. at the same time. I, I like it. Let's do it. Ready? Three, three two, two, one. one. Jay Ajayi. Okay, what, not the same one. What did you say? Matt Hawk. Oh, big, I mean, he was the man today. Bombs punting The it. punting five times pinning the, the Titans inside the 20. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, he was good. My honorable mention is Jay Ajayi, mainly just because he was he was putting in work. He had that fumble that, that ended up being a little costly in the, uh, in the first half. But particularly his effort late in the game when... The Dolphins were needing to just run that clock and they needed to get that first, to get that last first down to sort of really secure the game. Uh, Jay Ajayi had a big seven yard run on third down at one point and he just, it was a grown ass man run. He just, he worked to get those seven yards, exactly those seven yards, diving for that last first yard, that, that last yard to get that first down. Um, it was just, it was really impressive. It was nice to see him, uh, getting through some holes that the offensive line finally set him up with. Uh, he had more yards today on the ground than he did in the last two games combined, which, which was good to see. Um, so he's, he's the one guy on the offense that I'm going to give a little honorable mention to because, uh, I thought he, he, he worked hard towards the end and, and I think he earned it. So, Hey, the dolphins are two and two, they're 500. And they're heading on the road next week to Atlanta to take on the Falcons' brain in a, in a game that I think I don't know. We'll get into our preview later oh, this week, but I think they're going it, to lose. Yeah, I think it, it would be a very optimistic Dolphin fan that sees them going into Atlanta and getting the win. Uh, <laughs> we'll get into the details. We'll get we're, down. We're into feeling the, good, and they're going to lose next week. We'll get we'll get into the weeds of our breakdown for that game. Uh, later this week, 
But in the meantime, Brian, why don't you tell the people where they can find you? can find me on Twitter at Aaron the Brain and can look for my articles uh, on DolphinsReport.com. Also follow uh, Dolphins Report at Dolphins on Scout. And you can find me mourning my fantasy football team. Uh, Dalvin Cook went down for the season last week, which was a sad time. And it appears that Odell Beckham Jr. went down for the season today which is a bad time. Uh, Devontae Parker apparently sprained his ankle. So who knows when he's going to be back in London. My fantasy football team is a hot mess right now. So you can find me mourning my fantasy football team. Uh, but you can also find me on Twitter at Amplified to Rock. You, sh- you can also find the show on Twitter at Same Old Dolphins, particularly on game day. We're, we're tweeting out there. Uh, and we, we encourage you to follow along with us and interact with us because we'd love to interact with you. Uh, And if you haven't already, you can download, rate, and review and subscribe to the show on iTunes. And we really do invite you to to leave us a nice review. Um, Give us a a rating, hopefully a five-star rating, but as best of a rating as you're willing to muster. Uh, We appreciate it. Uh, Your kind words help us get the show out there so that we can enlarge the the network of folks that are listening to the same old Dolphins show. And uh, leave us a, follow us on SoundCloud. Leave us a comment on each episode. We, we'd love to get into a dialogue. If you disagree with something that we say on the show, tweet at us. Let us know. We've had a couple people do that already. So we're happy to engage in that conversation with you, as long as you're willing to do so in a respectful manner and not fly off the handle because you're so enraged about something that we said. Although, if we're enraging you, I part of me is kind of glad. I don't want to speak for the brain, but... I, I think that's kind of funny if something that we've said has enraged you on the podcast. Yeah, I would say that whether you agree with us or agree with us, then we're we're doing a good job because the worst thing that you could be is apathetic. That's right. And now I, I, I'll say that I don't know exactly what you said there, Bram, because your, your connection – uh, garbled up a little bit there and I, and I lost a lot of that. But I imagine it said that is, you know, Listen, we, we, we're here because we have our opinions, and these are our opinions. We are not say, saying anything in this show be, that as if it were absolute concrete fact. You know, these are our opinions, and we're, we're, we're interested in engaging in dialogue with you. If you disagree with our opinion, let's talk about it. Um, we're interested in doing that. We are not interested in uh, you hearing our opinion and becoming so enraged about it that you are trying to belittle us. Or, uh, you know, because that's, that's real. Look, I don't, I don't care what you're talking about. You know, I think civil discourse is important, particularly in, uh, in the current climate in this nation. I think it's important that, uh, we, we can all talk to each other like actual human beings. Getting political on the show. Not getting political. I'm just saying that it's important that we all can talk to each other as though we are humans, regardless of what our opinions may be and how they may differ. That would be nice, but if you if you care to belittle me, uh, I'm open to it. Yes, yeah, so please tweet at him at Aaron the Brain. Call him all kinds of nasty, horrible names. He is apparently fine with that. Um, and finally, of course, if you have not yet already, please follow at Bad Bruno Punk. They're the band that uh, supplies our fantastic theme song that you hear every week at the beginning and end of the same old Dolphin show. So we hope you will uh, give them a follow. As well. That is going to do it 
for our Dolphins-Titans recap. We hope that you have a wonderful Sunday evening and enjoy a Victory Monday. A Victory Monday that is probably a day off for a lot of you. So I hope you enjoy that as well. So we'll see you later again this week to preview the Atlanta Falcons game. But until then, for Aaron the Brain, this is Josh. We'll talk to you again next time. Bye-bye, everybody. Go Dolphins!